Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. You say, well, I didn't come to hear about money. No. But you come to say you wanted a church here, didn't you? Well, it'll need a place to meet. I'm not willing to let the primitive Baptist sit under an oak tree in the wintertime. Now, I cannot help them. I intend. I'm not telling you whether I have a thousand dollars in the bank or not, but I'll leave a hundred dollars here. I won't ask you to do what I'm going to do. I'm leaving that with them. If you've got less than a thousand dollars in any way, I'll leave that up to you and God. But if you've got that much, and I'm not willing to leave a hundred dollars here, you're nothing more than stingy. And don't you go back to your country and tell them that you're interested in the cause of Christ. One way that we make our love known is to give a little of the natural things that God has given unto us. They need it. Let's respond. I'm going to try to speak to you today what I feel to be the need of the hour. I want you to listen to that. I'm going to talk to you about sackcloth, dust, and ashes. Sackcloth, dust, and ashes. Job said he repented in dust and ashes. Sackcloth has to do with a true mourner. <coughs> Primitive Baptist is just as high-minded as any other Baptist. We have the same carnality and by nature free willers just like everyone else. In the day that we live in, we are prone to rely upon the power of the United States. When I, when I was a young boy, I plowed the mule and rode to see the Western movie on Saturday on that old gray horse we had. <coughs> Went to town many a time in a wagon. But that day is gone, and just in a few days, they can go to the moon and back. We run around making our great, great boats and scientific maneuvers. Why we left the God of heaven as far as his gospel is concerned, lay dormant and and get all excited and make our terrible boat until the showdown comes to fall flat on our face. Santa Claus has to do with a true mourner. One that, one that has the ability to see really what he is without God and in thanksgiving to what he is with God. By his grace. That's the fellow that wears sackcloth. A fellow that has repented in ashes and dust, ashes has to do with an article that's useless, uselessness. A person that truly repented sees his uselessness, his insufficiency without God, and repents and turns and thanks God for all of his mercy. You, you should have listened to me today. We're willing to say with our mouth, without God, we are helpless. But we're not willing to live that much in our lives. That's the need of the hour. I heard a man the last time I ventured up here, which is no later than last Sunday, say that Grandpa told him it was all right to be baptized, but it, 
then it's pretty good if he didn't. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said, Be baptized. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said, Repent. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, taught that you should realize without me, you are uselessness. Uselessness. Undone. Lost. Ruined forever. The need of the hour is for the children of God to take God at faith value upon His Word and serve Him dedicatedly. That's the need of this hour. And if that had been preached and a live by, you couldn't find a church in this county or in the state of Kentucky, Tennessee or Mississippi, that was now empty that had ever called itself primitive Baptist. Further than that, you'd have found up and always adding, adding, adding. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. But Jesus Christ added to a church that was meeting daily. Therefore, he added to it daily. You say, preacher, I believe you all if you rock her. Well, that's all right. You can go ahead. But when I drive around and somebody says, there's where they used to be. Here's a family that had eight children. Primitive Baptist dad and mama was. But they didn't one of them see fit to join. But that's still alright. They can go to heaven anyway. You can have that kind of language if you want it. But Jesus Christ said upon this rock, I build my church. That means churches are built out of people. And Jesus Christ wants his people to believe the truth, contend for the faith, and live honorably and godly and justly in this present world. But the only way that we're going to do that is to come back to sackcloth, dust, and ashes, and confess to God that we're useless without you. Repent, believe, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And then this church, every other church, will grow and prosper in Jesus Christ. The Lord through the Spirit will add to that church all it ever needs. But we will not do it with high minded. And, and denying the Lord, it's out going next year. I bet you there's people in this assembly right now that say it. I may join later on if everything goes right. I may join later on if I get to believe in all they teach. That's the philosophy of men. You really think, Brother Wallace, you're talking about the need of the hour? I'm confident that I am. people that has inspired me in my life. It's not the people that see how much fault they could find with the church. To see how long they could wait about joining. But people that offered themselves in the service of the Lord, realizing their uselessness without Him. Repented in sackcloth, dust, and ashes. Without taking, reaching down, or just sitting down in a, in a bed of ashes, like old Job was doing, or see someone 
pick up a handful of dust and put it on his head? You say, oh, I wouldn't mind doing that. Yes, you would. You women folks would run like a turkey to get out of a breeze that would ripple your hairdo. And I don't know if I'd have come today to get my new suit wet. I'd be sure I didn't want to go in there without I had a good shoe shot. Repent in sackcloth and ashes when you come into the presence of the Lord. Don't sit there and argue with Him. I know, beloved, I was visiting one time. I'm good mind to call the name, but I probably would if my wife wasn't here. She'd scold me. But I was visiting and preaching at this place. I'd preach that morning. I was hoping so bad the pastor would get back that night that I could see him. This is two or three years ago. I saw about preaching time here he come in. We embraced each other. I was thrilled beyond words. To know how hard he had labored to get back there, to be with his flock and to see me before I left. We could have fellowship together. You know what one of the deacons said about that church? Or about, it, about the pastor? Instead of, instead of a commending the pastor and thanking God for his dedication, grumbled about his shoe shine. You say that was no primitive Baptist? It was a primitive Baptist deacon. From all his shoe shine. I tell you, beloved, if we could grow in this mindful, that would be all right to pull off our shoes because the ground might be holy whether you had any shoes or not. But to sit and tell God, oh, I may join next meeting day if the preacher preach good is again the height of idolatry. That may sound hard, but it'll take a dust and sackcloth attitude in our mind and soul to ever come to where God wants us to be. Now, friend of that don't care a bit for you reading where I'm fixing to read. Because I'm fixing to read in a place that tells you that every part of my body is tarnished with weakness and sin. And when I come to the presence of the Lord, really, I really find that out. I'm supposed to be like Isaiah that said, I'm a man of unclean lips. How do you feel about your lips today? Your hands and your ears. Your tongue and your feet. Are they in pretty good shape? How do you young people feel about yourself? How good in the sight of God do you believe today you are just on your own? I can tell you this Bible said that you're dust. You're useless. You're nothing without God, beloved. And when you and and when a person really comes into the presence like old Job did, and that world when when God really comes into his presence, oh, he said, I repent. I'm watering dust. I'm coming for you in cyclone as a morning repenting. That's the very best thought I ever had of myself. It's nothing compared to you, oh God. Now I come before you in sackcloth and dirt and ashes. Morning. Morning. I'm going to tell you if there's anyone sitting under the sound of my voice at this time. That's even give a second thought about belonging to this church. 
You feel that you've been born again, I beg and plead with you to do it at the first opportunity that you have. I'm going to be so strong to ask you not to wait till this afternoon. Do it this morning. You can wait too late to join the church of the living God. You say, oh, you can't wait too late to go to heaven. I'm not talking about that. I didn't make that statement. But you can wait too long to, 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 to come before God in this true uh, uh, attitude of humility. And God just say, I'm useless and helpless and undone. I'm corrupted from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. But I stand in your presence, oh God, confessing my need of thee. Take me and help me to commit myself unto thee that I might be useful in your kingdom and that others might see as you worked in my life and give you all the honor and glory as I offer myself to you for service. Now that's what it'll take. That's what it'll take. Not a one ounce of less, less than that will get the job done. And as long as deacons is more interested in a shoe shine. How the pastor buttons his coat and combs his hair, as long as they're more interested in that, God's not going to add very much to the church of the living God. You say, I don't believe that happened. I can prove it. That's shocking. Romans chapter 3. Verse 9. We've got to reach a place somewhere down the line, beloved, when you join the church because you love God. I don't believe there's a year past that I don't hear this at least three or four times. I'd have joined when the bishop preachers there, but I just didn't want too long to wait till the pastor gets back. That's shocking. That's untimely. Now I'm going to tell you that every pastor wants all the people join he's preaching. He's preaching for himself and not for God. If every guest, and I love him, he knows that. But if he's deep living under his skin, only where God can know, and he wants everybody to wait in this seat if there's going to be anybody joined, he is ungodly in his thinking. But if I want somebody to join this morning, say, well, they, they join on that brother, why has got to preaching? That's the height of it, not beloved. And there's no sackcloth and dust and ashes mixed with that. It's carnality that's produced from the pits of hell 100%. Not, not 99. Not 99. And then I said this Wednesday night. Then we'll preach about a year. And then finally someone joined. And then every preacher you run into will tell, well they talked to a girl a good little while back and you know what they said? This Elijah one really got him started thinking, you know. We got to get in the show. It's like the wrangling brother Barnum and Bailey Church. But God said, Join because you love me. See yourself as you are. See yourself hell bound. But see the cross and all of its beauty and glory. And a man, the Lord Jesus Christ, hanging there bleeding and dying to watch you whiter than snow, whereby that Israel God might bestow every spiritual blessing upon you that heaven has to offer. See that and believe that if you're born again and then come to Jesus Christ for service. That's what it's all about. Anything less than that. Is the height of Father. The height of Father. What then, Paul said, are we better than the Jews? No and no one. We have a, before proved both Jew and Gentile that they're all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is not, there is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. Then say two-thirds of them 
of a problem at all finally do it. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. Useless. There is none that doeth good, no not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. Their tongue they have used to see. The poison of ass is under their tongue, under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their way. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that the things which the law says, it says to them which are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. All right. Israel and people that have really come into knowledge of their great misdeeds in the days past and gone, literally set in the dust, literally wore sackcloth, literally sprinkled blood upon the uh, dust upon their head, literally fast to show and and, and that uh, their inward feelings that they had seen the error of their way, and to realize their uselessness without God. How come you fellows that's as old as I am used to get up early in the morning and dip the ashes out of that old fireplace and go and throw it out in the backyard? How come you do that? Because they're useless. That's what that fellow said. That's what Job said. He said, God, in my brightest moment, I see without you, I'm nothing. That's not easy for even a friend of better to accept. That's not easy with anyone that's born full of carnality to the uttermost except. Israel had went off into captivity, or been taken. Wandered around, many forsake the Lord. But oh, Nehemiah. He gathers up a bunch of them and starts back home. Rebuild the wall. Later on, as time went by, they'd work. And guess what it says about them in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 1. Now in the twenty and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting. I want you to listen to this. With fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon me. I'm going to make it just as real as this could be the last time I'd ever have opportunity to preach. But there's a man sitting right here, and I could sit down by him, and I'd say, we'll both get the last. His name's Colonel Carter. He's a decent man. But he's been a fan of the rank. I baptized and, and, and found a crutch over here to lean upon. And a crutch over there to lean upon. Said, no, I'm not going to join the church. There's too much trouble there. But one day, one day by the grace of God, he see that he should sit down, wear some sackcloth, through humiliation, sit in the ashes. I'm nothing without you, God. And whatever trouble is, that's all right. I want to be a member of the church of God and the world's court. 
People tend to get so dark-minded when the preacher's preaching like I am today, they run home and say, It's none of his business what I do. And he's telling me right. But it's some of God's business what you do. And he'll make it some of his business. Now, you know what Brother Burrow says today, just like I say. How come he to do that? I can tell you because he didn't have those. But neither the hour forced on him Sunday after Sunday. I'm telling you, the need of the hour, beloved, you need to see yourself in the presence of God with unclean lips, unclean hands, unclean eyes, unclean ears, unclean everything about your body that proceeds from your evil heart that you was born with. Yet God in his mercy just stooped down and put that spirit within him that had caused you to realize how undone you are. Then you should do like I said at all. I'm a man of unclean lips, but what was the next? He said, the Lord talked about sending someone. Who will I send? And Isaiah said, send me. He said, yes, by my own lips, they're awful filth. But all oh, but I see you high and lifted up. And with you with me. And I have the right then to go and speak. That's like a preacher getting down and say, I'm not worthy to have Jesus Christ upon my sinful lips. But he's just 50% right. He's got sinful lips. But when Jesus lives in his life, he has the authority of heaven to have Jesus Christ upon his lips and to live for him day and night and come into his presence and say, God, today, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. The great city of Nineveh was a bad place. And God told Jonah, go down and preach to him, Jonah. No, I haven't got time. So he run and jumped on a boat to try to escape the tax. But when that, later on, when he come to his right mind, felt like that fellow did down there in the hog pen. He come to his true senses while he goes down and preaches to him. Like Clint might just do this one, one day and, and, and towards the sovereignty of God and what, what this church will teach him. They might just do like the enemy. They might repent and sack all night. And put on some mourning clothes. True mourners. Not hired mourners, but true mourners over their sin and yet in thanksgiving to God for all He's done for them. So in Jonah chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, the city is really responding to the message. You'll respond to my message if you believe, if you see the need of the hour. Whether you're in the church or out, if you'll listen to me today and, and believe what I preach to you, not because I preach it, but because God said it, it'll do you good. But if you don't see the need of the hour, the church of God will go dead under your influence. You show me a primitive Baptist, I don't care if he's a deacon or whoever he is. That can willfully sleep while he's pastor's preaching. And then come up and halfway poke fun at say, Well, I just take a little half that truth, I trust you. The thing is that proved that he got tired of the sovereignty of God and could sit on that seat with an ungrateful heart and attitude what he needed to roll in some ashes and to wear some sackcloth. That's what he did. And then he'd wake up and say, well, we have some visitors Sunday, but they didn't come back. No wonder. They've seen the leaders in the church take a good snooze. 
And then we wonder why the young people throw rebukes at the house of God. That's basically because they hear the old ones running down, talk about the pastor and poke fun of it, not in their presence. Now that sounds hard, but you know it's the truth. But you just have to take it or leave it. And I don't say that haughtily, I say it in love. I'm preaching you today the need of the hour. Nineveh was in need of the word. And God said, Jonah, now you can't. All right. Jonah 3, verses 5 and 6. So the people of Nineveh believed God. That's an either our preachers for the children to believe God. Believe God. Just take him whatever he says. I challenge you to read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's where you find the demand of the kingdom. And if you find me one demand in that, that does not carry with it the thought of commitment, I'll drive back up here three times without one penny and preach that I misrepresented the Bible to you. Every one of them called for a commitment. That rich man went up there and said, what, Well, Lord, what, what can I do to have eternal life? Why well, he said, You've got to give a bunch of stuff away. You've got to commit yourself to it. Give it away. Give it away. And then that another man got bit and he won't turn up there. He's like, Lord, I want to go with you. But he said, Wait, now wait just, just one thing. I'll be ready. Let me go back home and bury my dead. No, sir. You've got to commit now. No, sir. There's people back there to see about that. If you mean it, I ask you to commit on the spot that I could see and you could understand that it's real in your life. You find me one command of the kingdom puts upon an individual that does not carry a commitment from the individual. And I'll say that I sure overlooked it when I scanned those pages. Just find me one. It's commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a whole host of people that needed to commit their belief to God and to carry up His wonderful work. Jonah, get down there. Now they're believing Him. And He climbs on the hill and, 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 and soars up about it. So the people of men believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For a word came to the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and set in ashes. Who is that? That's some little farmer in Nineveh. No! That's the king! He said, God, I've seen that I'm useless too. He says, I've proved by rolling in these ashes and dust. I throw aside my kingly raiment, and I'm the king in heaven. God, I believe in you. Sackcloth, ashes, and dust is the need of the hour, beloved. So every born character that sets under the sun of the word, that he committed his life to Jesus Christ, as he calls on him hundreds and hundreds of times out of those poor gospels, much less in the epistles of this blessed book. Then, Oh, Job, he'd had a lot of conversation with different fellows, and he'd wondered about the Lord. But finally the Lord appeared to him in a whirlwind, and that was all over with. Here's what Job said. I believe this is in chapter 42 of Job. Anyway, here's what he said. He says, Wherefore, I abhor myself. You know, you know, if, if, if you don't understand what I read in Romans 
a three, and you believe you're in that, you'll let four of yourself. You'll see your uses. You'll see yourself in the presence of God, and you'll say, oh, I have unclean lips. And you you wouldn't care to get down in some ashes. Now, you women a while ago, I talked about your hairdo. You see, I don't have much hair up here, and I try to keep it waving. I won't get no whirlwind either. I'm not running you down, but I'm trying to show you the need of the hour. The need of the hour is not good looks and fine clothes and shiny shoes. Although I believe we should look the best we can with what means we have. I'm not against that. But the need of the hour is to get on some true mourner's clothes. I, 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 I wouldn't advocate to have a mourner's bench up here. But I believe that every born-again person should have a mourner's bench in the depth of his soul to come to God in true repentance. And while they're figuring in the dust, beloved, say, God, I'm just nothing without you, and I sure thank you for saving me. Wherefore, I'd pour myself. What are you doing about it, Job, to let everybody know? And repent in dust and ashes. Then, Oh, Paul, you know, here's a man, if there's ever been a man that lived a dedicated life to God, I'd, I'd spell it P-A-U-L. He said, I tell all things that's gone that I might win Christ. He said, I go preach to the learned and the unlearned. I'm determined to know nothing save Jesus Christ and improve it. I'm unwilling to let a few rocks and a few hard knocks that's supposed to take my life toward my journey. Then he ends up in Romans, the last two verses in Romans 7. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Does that mean that Paul's in a sorry life? That means that he's full of sin. No, sir. He said, without thee, God, I've, without thee, my ever ounce of my body touched somewhere or another by weakness and infirmities. Oh, wretched man, he said the same thing as Job is saying. Oh, and when he's saying the same thing as Isaiah says, God, when I come into your presence, I see myself unclean through and through. Then he says, then he says, who, oh, wretched man that I am without thee, oh God, I had that part of it. Well, oh, wretched man, without thee, oh God, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he cries out in utter victory and triumph. But I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord, and every person, beloved, every person that feels in the depth of your soul that you abhor yourself as far as carnality is concerned and you feel through the Spirit that you come in the presence of God and you abhor yourself, you see yourself with unclean lips. And oh, wretched man, that I am. The need of the hour is not to rebel against God. The need of the hour is not to put it off two or three more weeks. The need of the hour is to repent in dust and dust and ashes and put on true mourner's clothes and ask God to show you the way to just fall at the feet of the cross in humble submission and commitment to the God of high heaven that has promised to deliver us from the wrath to come. I pray God he'll take this message and let it sink into your mind and to your heart that we all might honor him acceptably and know that there is some demand of the kingdom and they all ask for a commitment out of you and I, Brother Gaines. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.